Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the first responder podcast. Join your hosts, Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed, as they address the real issues in health and wellness for first responders. From physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance, we leave no stone unturned. Answering the Call, the first responder podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as iHeartRadio. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery answering the call. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Answering the Call, the First Responders podcast. I am Mike Miles, the podfather, and I'm here with my good friend and confidant. Jersey Ed, guys. Jersey Ed. Well, he's actually not here, and I'm not there. We're, <laughs> We're not together. We're in two pa- different states. Podfather, real quick. Was it the first responders podcast, did you say, or did you say Friends in Recovery? Well, I'm pretty sure I said this is uh, answering the call, the first responders podcast. Okay. Well, we'll keep this uh, in because this is good This is good radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I, got- I might have said I don't know. <laughs> real quick, our guest you know, is-, is answering the call, the first responders podcast. There you go. We'll keep it going anyways. Um, we, we can advertise our other show. So uh, real quick, Podfather, um, John Bocci Galupo, an EMT out of um, Minnesota and a um, an alumni of Genesis House is going to be our guest here in a couple minutes. But uh, but I just want to see how you're doing, Podfather. How was your week? How was how was everything? How, how you doing? You look good. You're fit. Are you running marathons? What are you doing this week? <laughs> <laughs> a very busy week. I actually, uh, you know, the, the the recovery business is, um, you know, it's going full tilt up here in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. I work in both states um, close by. But um, yeah, really busy. I've gotten more calls from people, new clients, old clients, you know, people relapsing, uh, people needing to go away, people that don't mm. want to go away. You know, yeah, yeah. the business. This is a, a business you get in. You, you never know when you're going to get the phone calls. Who's going to be calling? Um, you know what the situation? The young girl goes out to California. She's doing crystal meth. Mm. Next thing you know, she's running around her underwear. Some some person neighbor. Just sees her, takes her in, has her call her mother. The, the, the neighbor actually speaks to the mother and says, hey, I got your daughter who's an educated, beautiful young lady uh, who's very smart and very accomplished. And all of a sudden, she's in some stranger's house in California in her underwear. Mm. I'm thinking getting a call like that. Wow, that's you crazy. Know? Right. Yeah. How yeah. would you sleep? You know, so, you know, and, and then, of course, I get the call to see what I can do. And we, we all collaborate and try to help out. Yeah. But it's been a very, very, very busy um yeah, and I'm sure it's been busy for the first responders out there too. And um, you, oh, yeah. actually, we have a uh, you know John Bacigalupo. He's an EMT out of Minnesota. He is he's a first responder, obviously, and he can give us a little bit insight, maybe how the craziness is going. But um, I want to give you his bio real quick. John is married to his wife of six years, um, who is also an EMT. They have no kids, but they do have two fairy babies, um, and we'll find out what those fairy babies are in a minute. Um, since at the age of 18, John worked in many different areas of public safety and emergency services. He has been a licensed EMT for the last 15 years, working part-time and full-time in urban, suburban, and rural areas of 911 ambulances. John is a licensed EMT instructor, instructor and a three-echo active shooter instructor. He's also a field training officer and the overall department training officer. In early two thousand, in the early two thousands, he worked part time as an armed security officer in the worst parts of the greater metro area. In addition to that, 
He served with a small police uh, department as a reserve officer, a reserve police officer for several years, which was all volunteer work. After many years of um, after many years of repeated repeated exposures to critical incident trauma, several close calls with life threatening injuries, and struggles with alcoholism, and dual diagnosis and and a diagnosis with PTSD, John has op, John had the opportunity to get a second chance in life at the Genesis House First Responders Program. John is currently in recovery now. Truly loves his truly living his best life. Giving back to others is his life's passion. John, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Ed, Mike. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, that's quite a uh, list there you, there you got. The one thing that stood out to me, what is this active um, echo, three echo active shooter instructor? Yeah, so so three echo is a program that was kind of founded several years ago. Um, it it never uh, it never made mainstream uh, until until uh, just recently. You know, after some of the more high profile shootings that the country's seen. Um, so three three echo stands for uh, um, enter, evaluate, and evacuate. Um, it's a, it's a methodology that we use to uh, to to deal with um, an, an active shooter incident or an active assailant incident, whether it involves just guns or bombs. Um, just kind of depending on what happens, but it's just a way for us to to uh, more effectively treat victims and remove them if we need to. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's a it's a fascinating program, and it, it involves all facets and disciplines. The public safety involves law enforcement, involves emergency medical services, EMS involves fire service, um, involves dispatchers, um, involves everybody to have one you know a a, a smooth a smooth process for. Uh, removing and treating victims and, and actually dealing with uh, that threat, that person that, that made those choices to shoot everybody. Yeah, geez, that's a, uh, wow. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, well, for, for sure. So, Podfather, this is your this is your wheelhouse. That was just like Japanese to me. <laughs> and and I, I'm one of those guys that watch TV and uh, and like, oh my god, that's really cool. But did, you know, I'm sure you understood what he was talking about, and I'm sure most of our our, our uh, listeners understood. And I understood too. But um, you know, that's quite impressive, isn't it? As far as being, oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I've been involved in shootings. I've I've never shot anyone. But I've been shot at, and I've had victims of that have been shot, and um, I don't think what the public doesn't know. I I know what the public doesn't know. What goes on behind the scenes? Actually, a lot of police officers might not even know what goes on behind the scenes unless you're involved in a shooting, you know. And uh, yeah, it's uh, very interesting. <laughs> Good well, here. What, what, what you what you said what you said about about being behind the scenes? It it, it truly is. Um, there, yeah. There's a there's a vast there's a vast number of people that have no idea how something like that is dealt with. They just see a little blurb on the news about it, or you get the you know twenty four seven news coverage for three mm -hmm. four days after <laughs> after a big event like that, and uh, they just kind of expect everything to be tied in this nice little bow. Well, there's there's hundreds of cogs and hundreds of people mm -hmm. that need to be involved in that. And, you know, uh, first responders from every every discipline. Uh, it doesn't just happen, and. Uh, I wish I wish the public knew that, but that's uh, kind of the kind of the benefit of being the public is ignorance is bliss, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's an interesting point, John, as a civilian. Um, and everybody knows on the show that I am just a civilian. I used to run from you guys. I 
and you never <laughs> caught me, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, I, uh, <laughs> until I got sober and then I started, uh, working with everybody. But, um, that is an interesting point because we see it on TV. We understand, you know, we see, okay, well this, that, and the other thing is going on and like, oh my God, you know, the, the SWAT team's there, this team's there, that team's there. And then two days later, um, you're on to the next thing, you know, uh, Mount, Mount, St. Helen is erupting and that's the big, the next big deal. So, um, you know, but you're right. The, the behind the scenes stuff is, um, you know, kind of, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the crazy stuff. So talk about that, John, maybe the, uh, Podfather's having some technical issues. So he's going to have to do something technically to his computer real quick. So talk about behind the scenes stuff and the EMT stuff that, um, that, that goes on you and I, uh, in your bio, you said urban, suburban, and rural areas of 911 ambulances. And then then you said some of the worst parts of the metro area. Now, I've been in Minnesota for years. Now, it's a beautiful state. Minneapolis, St. Paul, beautiful. I don't know of one bad area in, in the state. So, But fill me in a little bit about the bad areas. Fill me in a little bit about uh, what's going, you know, as far as, you know, what you do as far as your job goes. Uh, so, so from the, you know, so from, I'll, I'll touch on this. I'll touch on the security parts first. Um, that's, that's a, that's a shorter story. So um, Minnesota is a beautiful place. You're right about that. Uh, there's some places in the North side of Minneapolis that aren't so beautiful. Um, there's a lot of great people that live up there, but it does have a pretty high crime rate. Um, the, uh, the Metro itself is like any other big city. You got a lot of problems up there. You get a lot of people. Um, so where you have more people, you're going to have more problems. That's, that's, mm, that's what yeah, I'll, that's what I'll, yeah. that's what I'll kind of say about that. Yes. Uh, um, in the, in the time, in the time I was doing that, um, every, everything that happened to a, a uh, say, say a Metro, say a Metro police officer, we would get, we would get involved with as well at our apartment buildings and our different strip malls and things like that. And obviously the police would be the end, the end game. Um, in dealing with those situations, but we were often the first people to be involved with everything from robbery, uh, assaults, homeless, homelessness, um, people with warrants, people that were stealing, people that were under the influence of, of drugs or alcohol that were acting strangely or out of control, things like that. Um, I pointed my gun at people up there. Um, I got into fights with people up in there. I got in foot chases with people up in there. Um, and the the overarching message that I got uh, from from the metro is that um, when you have this when you when you have this mu this much uh, infrastructure this much this much business this this many people in one spot that you're certainly never going to be slow. <laughs> um, and that's that's just that's just kind of that's just kind of the, the way that the, the cookie crumbles up there. Um, and I I certainly enjoyed it, but it was incredibly dangerous. Um, on many fronts, and there's still a lot of people that do that for a living um, up there, and they're certainly uh, unrecognized professionals for the most part. Um, I, I can I I remember one night my partner and I were were working at a hotel, and uh, we discovered a hotel room fire, um, just with snow, smoke creeping out of the door, and uh, we we went ahead and made entry into the hotel hotel room, um, which was actually locked with a little chain behind the door, mm. so we ended up having to boot the door. Um, and we found a guy unconscious in his bed who had drank uh, two bottles of Jägermeister and he fell asleep with a cigarette in his hand. Wow. Um, so we yanked him out, pulled him out into the hallway. Uh, we Obviously, we had the hotel manager calling 911, et cetera, et cetera. 
well, this guy had a couple of felony warrants. That's why he was staying at the hotel. Um, <laughs> it, you know, cause you know, like hotels and gas stations are safe places. The police can't get to there, you know? <laughs> so, so, uh, so we, we, we pulled him out in the hallway. Uh, he, you know, he kind of regained consciousness a little bit. We had him, ch- you know, checked out by medical and, you know, he ended up being arrested by that, but that, by that local police department for, uh, you know, different things. Um, but, uh, then the news story that came out later on, later on that week was, uh, you know, you know, so-and-so, uh, police officers, uh, from this department rescue man from a hotel, hotel room fire, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> well, that's right. You know, and we don't, we don't do that. We don't do this stuff for thanks at all. And it just, my, my partner and I just laughed about it and we're like, that's, that's okay. But that's, that's the game. That's the game in security. People, a lot, a lot of people don't know or, re- or recognize. They love the media. No, you know, exactly. Yep. They, they that, love a good, they love a good story. Just not who did it. Absolutely. <laughs> now that, that was a JW Marriott that you had to bust into, right? Was that what that was? <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. No. Only the five. <laughs> five uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Pretty woman stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, right. and plus, I mean, where where you live and where you work, I mean, you've been very busy. You guys have been on the news lately mm. more than uh, you know most most people in New York. So, uh, what's the climate out there now? How is it? Well, so 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 uh, kind of going on the EMS side, and that's where I spent the bulk of my career, uh, no doubt. Um, in Minnesota, here we're we're a hot spot for COVID. Um, we're a hot spot for a lot of things. It's a very unusual climate up here in Minnesota. It's either you know scalding hot or it's bitterly cold. Or you have all five seasons in, in, in one week, you know, it's it's uh it's it's difficult to live. Yeah, it's it's difficult to live up here. It certainly is a beautiful state, but what we're what we're running into right now is on top of all of the other things that we deal with on a normal day-to-day basis from 911 calls, we're dealing with uh, the coronavirus. And uh it, people have just lost their minds. That's that, that utterly and completely lost their minds. We don't know which way is up half the time. Um, we're wearing masks constantly. The amount of PPE that we have to wear every single day mm. is, uh, is is kind of obscene. I, mean, I remember back. I remember back when I started in EMS. Yeah. That when we had to wear a gown and and the face shield and and, yeah. and, and booties yeah. on a call, it was a huge deal. Right. Like, it, we're, like we're 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 exposed. We're exposed spill. to like somebody with like active TB who's yeah. hacking in the back of the ambulance. <laughs> you know. Or like like flesh eating skin disease, just all kinds of stuff. Sure. And now that type of PPE is just mainstay. It's just normal. It's what we wear on ninety percent of our calls. You know, wow. we have a, we have a screening process that we go through for patients, and they if they have just this symptom, hey, guess what? You're putting on all your stuff. Yeah, you I know, would and- suggest I would suggest um, ten years from now when they look back on this and they're doing studies and everything, they're gonna say, well, if it wasn't an election year, that <laughs> A lot of that wouldn't have happened. This is really, no, no, I, I'm, I guarantee it. It's going to happen because this is just over the top. You cannot. And, and I live in a city now, Lowell. Well, I live next to the city of Lowell, Massachusetts. And on my way to my office here in Chelmsford, they Lowell just opened up Monday um, to start testing people again. We're a testing city, and there's there's a line that snakes around. That's why I was a little bit late getting here. Cars everywhere, probably a good 200 cars waiting in line. So, yeah, you're right. Shit. It's a crazy atmosphere right now. That's crazy. That's crazy. John, real quick, we're going to take a break here. Yep. Um, after the break, I want to talk to you about um, your experience at Genesis House um, and a little bit more EMS stuff. And um, 
and we're going to go, we'll go from there. But Podfather, you want to do the, uh, the blessings? I'll do the blessings. Answer the call. We'll be right back. You're first. First to respond. First to put others' lives before your own. And in an emergency, you need a network that puts you first, that connects you to technology, to each other, and to other agencies. Build with and for first responders. FirstNet, the only congressionally authorized wireless network for first responders. Because putting you first is our job. Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Hey everybody, welcome back. Answering the call, the first responders podcast. I am the pod father, Mike Miles. Jersey Ed out here in the studio, wherever. Studio G, guys. Studio uh, G. Yeah. And Podfather, you did say, friend, I mean, answering the call this time. Definitely. <laughs> I, I know I did. <laughs> I know. You said it the right the first time, too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. We, we, what we do, we record back-to-back shows. So to me, sometimes it gets confusing. Podfather brings us in and takes us out. He does a good job of doing it all and keeping the show separate. So it is um, a, I'm multitasking, but you're doing a good job. You're hanging in there. Thanks, Podfather. Podfather, yeah, a couple things. Um, that break with, um, you know, with uh, First Net built by AT&T, that commercial is amazing. We yeah. really want to thank um, uh, First Net Built by AT and T for sponsoring us. They're a wonderful, so, wonderful, uh, you know, yeah. kind of uh, they're they're a wonderful sponsor of ours. Also, totally. also, real quick, I want to talk about copline.org. Copline.org is a um, a helpline for police officers that can call twenty four seven at one eight hundred copline. That's one eight hundred two six seven five four six three. And um, they're always available. There's over a hundred police officers um, there, and I'm sure any any first responder can reach out, and then they'll they'll direct you where to go. But this is this is more geared towards the uh, the police, and um, over a hundred um, volunteers that work for copline.org. Um, they're there to answer any questions, um, whatever 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 they whatever you need. So, um, and uh, we're here with John. Bachi Galupo. <laughs> you got it. You got it? No, got you can hear your last name. I want to hear you say it. Bachi Galupo. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Right. Us Italians have to stick together. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just say Butterfuco. Butterfuco. <laughs> there you go. I got his name from all over the place. That's right. That's right. Uh, while we were on the break, um, John... Uh, was talking about FirstNet um, built by AT and T. Yes. You use them, John, or you uh, tell us a little bit about because they're our sponsor. We, it's always good to hear the, something. We do, we do use FirstNet. Yes, um, we we use FirstNet. At least one of the departments that I'm with right now. 
Uh, we use it for our uh, tablet inside of our inside of our ambulance, which provides you know CAD updates and mapping and uh, GPS things like that. So it's been it's been very reliable for us since we got it. We're definitely happy with it. And the whole idea is pretty fascinating, to be honest with you, because. Oh, sure. What, because, like, I remember when the 35W bridge collapsed, the first thing that went down in in in, in, in both in, in our in our sector and in the public sector was cell phones. Right. Couldn't call anybody. Couldn't mm. do anything. And having that having that 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 system directly built for you that's not going to crash is of critical importance in any event. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Not only for reaching out, not only for reaching out to our families to let them know that we're not going to be home, but uh, but yeah. also to to communicate. Well, that's important, uh, you know. Um, but to but to reach out to each other and kind of coordinate things. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I believe society. I mean, for my thirty five years as a cop, mm-hmm. 20, 28 on the street, I know society, at least the society I dealt with, they, they're they're always expected to have communication, lights, eat. You know, you'd never. Be, because you have very few incidents that cause uh, a problem where you don't. But when you do have a major snowstorm and, you know, you lose power and heat and everything, what a, what a rude awakening mm. for people. Oh, absolutely. So, but just think about law enforcement, EMS, fire. When you when you have no no ability to contact them when you're need, in need, I mean, that is just so uh, horrific to even think about. Yeah. So that is really, really what a great, unique, and uh, great idea. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. You guys, go back and listen to that commercial. All the first responders, you know, talk to your bosses about it. Go get your first net um, built by AT and T phone. You guys can even go buy personal phones um, as long as you're a first responder. Podfather, you can get one. Um, I didn't even know that until we had a little educational piece with from them. So that's just amazing. The the whole thing, you know. And, and that's not what this show is about. But when you said you were, you know, you did use the first net stuff. I, I'm, I always take the opportunity to see how everybody likes the, and so far so good. Nobody's really I, I ever. Think our listening, I think our listening audience for this show would definitely be interested anyway. I mean, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yep. 100%. So, so before the, before the break, John, we were talking about, um, about your, your EMT stuff and your kind of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, Podfather, you know this is just as well as the PTSD, the long nights, the seeing stuff you shouldn't be seeing as a human being, doing things, um, you know, being places you shouldn't be, and that all builds up. Those droplets keep building up into a bucket till that bucket overflows, either through substance abuse, through mental health. Um, we call it PTSD. That's that's what we call it. And somehow there has to be an outlet if you don't if you don't channel it right or, or fix it right. John, you ended up turning to alcohol and um, you, you and I spoke in the past and uh, you uh, you got yourself some help down at Genesis House. And um, tell us, talk a little bit about that. Maybe, it's, you know, building up to all that and Podfather, so, if you need anything, you know, chime in, please. So I went to a seminar years, years ago. It was called Pain Behind the Badge. Um, it was ho- hosted by uh, a former Vegas Metro cop <laughs> and his wife. Um, and the pain behind the badge, basically he described his career as cop soup and, you know, you can make it in the cop soup, PMT soup, fireman soup, dispatcher soup, doesn't really matter. Basically talked about, you know, every, every incident that you respond to in your career, there's a small, there, there's small chunks and there's big chunks, you know, small chunks, your everyday calls that you, that you go to, 
um, that, you know, are terrible for somebody else, but are part of your job and you realize that and they don't really bother you at the moment uh, when you're dealing with them. And then those bigger chunks are, you know, your shootings, your deaths, your uh, car, your big car crashes, you know, things like that. Um, and those end up being bigger chunks of soup that go into your pot. And uh, he talked about the day that his pot boiled over. He was in his pool and he started crying for no reason. Um, and he kind of realized that he had issues. Um, and he was much along the same thought line that I had. When I started my career, um, I always said, if you, you, you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. You know, this job's not for everybody. Um, this is not uh, not for the faint of heart, you know. Um, it kind of, I, I really honestly thought that a lot of that shell shock stuff and the, the, what we now recognize as to be, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder was kind of some smoke and mirrors for a lot of people and kind of an excuse for a lot of people sure. to either use drugs or use drugs or abuse alcohol or, or miss work, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it was all fine and good. And it was all laughing matter until it wasn't anymore until it affected me. Right. Well, it's not, <laughs> excuse me. The, a nice assessment. And I really think that, excuse me, a reason or their reason, and I think the main reason a lot of police officers, people in ENS as work, emergency services work, don't get help is because they don't want the stigma. They don't want people to think they're weak or, you know, um, they try to hide it. You know, substance abuse is well hidden in the very beginning. But after a while, it just, it's, it's as obvious as the plain as the nose in your face. Mm. And everybody around usually knows. Oh, so sorry. Everybody around usually knows you've got a problem before you even know you have a problem. So well, I think our, Go ahead. Our, our entire culture in, in emergency services is founded around drinking. It's founded around the, 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 the brotherhood that pat each other on the back, the mm. go have a couple of drinks after shift, go, you know, get, drink about it. Talk, you know, talk about it. You'll be fine. Pick up and move on. You know, but when, when I couldn't pick up and move on anymore and I couldn't stop drinking, um, just to shut those thoughts off. That's that's kind of who I needed help. And unfortunately, in in the system that exists today, there is a lot of stigma still. You know, the military has gotten hundreds of you know hundreds of thousand dollars, probably more than that, probably underestimating that, of money invested in research into post traumatic stress disorder. And you think about a vet who gets to, and I'm not I'm not dissing our vets at all. Not not even close. Um, I, I I you think about a vet that's deployed for into a combat zone for 18 months, you know, at a time, think about somebody who is a cop or uh, a EMS provider, a fireman or a dispatcher who's deployed for a career of 30 years mm. or, or greater or 10, 15 years, 20 years. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. My point is, is that you kind of never really get to go home. And um, not, mm. not only do I, I work in EMS for my full-time job, but I also volunteer in EMS in the community that I live. So um, there's a great deal of, there's a, there's a great deal of stress that, that my wife and I endure on a normal basis, um, both at, at home and abroad in our, in our job. She's a 911 dispatcher um, for her, for her full-time job. But um, my, my, my point is that it's hard to get away from, you know, you know, it's not, it's not a deployment where you go, you, you do you do and see some some terrible some terrible shit and then you come home um it's it's kind of just uh it's kind of a revolving door it just keeps happening um and, and that's that's kind of how i ended up in that in that position i kind of just i i lost my work life balance mm. i lost a lot of uh lost a lot of time to drinking um and uh you know and i was definitely i was definitely of the uh, of the mindset that that that's not me i'm not an alcoholic i'm not a 
you know, I'm not a junk, I'm not a junkie. I'm, I'm functioning. I've got a, I've got a great, I've got a great job. I, I, I help people. I, you know, respond to emergencies. I'm part of that part of society. I'm not part of that other, you know, section of society. Um, it wasn't until I got to Genesis house and I started actually talking to people and realizing that there was a reason for what they were doing, just like there was a reason for what I was doing that uh, we all are human. Um, and that I had been a judgmental prick for a great deal of my career. And that, well, that's how we deal with things, I guess. And, and, uh, you know, when, when we don't have things go our way, we can't understand how, like wh- why we're feeling like this, it comes out in different ways. And and if that's yes. the way it came out with you, a judgmental prick, um, that's how it happens. And I was that same person. I was that asshole all those years ago when I was drinking, you know, and, uh, most of, I, I don't want to say most of us are, but that is, um, uh, an atten- a tendency that does happen when you, when you can't figure out what's going on in life, you know, you, you just get so frustrated and aggravated. And, uh, you know, John, I like what you said about, um, you don't get to go home. Um, talk a little bit about that. I, I'm, I, so, you know, I, I'm, I determined that as you went there as a kid, you went, you know, you were talking about the <clears throat> going into battle or whatever, and you come back, you, you're, you're definitely a different human being. Is that, is that what you meant by that? Yeah. So, so what, what I mean by that is that not being able to go home is that, you know, so I, I work 12 hour shifts. I work 12 hour rotations, usually three or four days in a row on a typical basis. Um, and then when I'm not doing that, you know, a, a lot of times, uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering here on the local ambulance service at home. Um, with a pager on my hip, I'm at home, but I'm still responsible for that pager and radio when a call comes out. Um, and that that's 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 by choice and by necessity. I'm not trying to be a martyr, trying to not trying to say anything or attract sympathy or anything like that. Um, that is, uh, but it's a necessity in our community, and we chose to fill that mm-hmm. um, by not being able to go home. Here's what I mean. So when you when you when you when when I when I went to when I went to uh, when I go to a call and somebody like somebody has a bad day at work. They go to, they, they say they're, uh, oh, hell, say they're an accountant. They go to work. Uh, they, their, their mainframe crashes. They lose a bunch of numbers. Um, maybe, maybe not of any particular importance. Um, and they got to redo something. And, and again, I'm not ragging on accountants or anything like that, but, um, as the old saying goes, well, but did someone die? Well, no, of course not. It's not that bad, you know, but when somebody asked me, but did someone die? Well, actually, yeah, somebody did die, mm. you know? A bad a bad day at work for somebody in emergency services often involves death. Yeah, right. Yeah, invo- yeah. Go ahead. It, it involves death, and then you kind of realize what real problems are in life. Um, and unfortunately, when enough death happens, I I kind of ended up uh, feeling like a uh, like a grief sponge. Mm. You know, all that grief has to go somewhere, and it just I just accepted it into my own mind and my own body and my soul. And I started wearing those losses on my sleeve and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to get rid of them. So, but I could shut them off. I could shut them off really easily by drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, drinking didn't always uh, work that way either. Sometimes it just made, made the voices louder. Sometimes it just made the scenes more vivid. Um, and unfortunately, and by not being able to call, go home, I mean, it's like, you're done with this deployment for your day, your 12 hour shift, you go home, you're reliving everything that happened and you have Mm. no time to recover. You're going right back to work the next day. And the biggest lie that I was told from, from being a new EMT, you know, 15 years ago. And when I was in class is that, uh, 
that there that nobody ever taught me how to cope. You know, they, they, they teach us all kinds of technical skill. They teach us how to start IVs. They teach us how to give medications. They teach us how to assess patients, how to extricate a victim from a car accident, how to uh, respond to an active shooter. It, it, we learn all these technical skills, but nobody really ever told me how to cope. They, and we still don't do that. Mm. Um, people don't understand that when you go to those deep, dark places, dark places in your mind, that you have to find a way out of them. Um, and, and anybody who says that they're not affected by the work that they do is either lying or they're buttonless. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know I have I have a couple of partners that are buttonless, um, mm-hmm. but I, I just I just hope that they make it to their end of their career like yeah, that. Just give them time. Just give them time. So. And you know, when when I hear about defunding the police, I think about a situation like this where you're 100 right. I taught in academies for several oh, 17 years, and um, you know what? It was a very short hour. That's what it was, maybe an hour and a half on stress and, and anxiety and what to do and where to go for help, you know. And that, <laughs> listen, if society doesn't change and start taking a look at the, the real needs of professional people in law enforcement and EMS and fire and corrections, you know, they're going to be losing out more than they are now. If they think mm-hmm. they have problems now, we, 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 let them continue trying to go in a direction where they think it's taking away money and given less people positions like that because well the the the, the 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 and you're absolutely right right mike i couldn't have said it better myself that that whole that whole defund the police movement i mean you know there the, there's a part of me that says you know you know you want to see a world without cops okay mm. you know you're, you're not going to like it <laughs> yeah uh, you're, you're certainly not going to like it um but the the you know i i understand the the stru- the structural stress that that we're all under um but i also but i also understand that people often don't think about what we need as first responders until until it's too late Mm -hmm. um they they think they think about they think about what they need at the moment they're calling and we go there and we solve the problem and we put on you know we put on a cape we go race into the scene metaphorically of course Mm -hmm. um i don't wear a cape anymore (laughs) (laughs) they told you to stop wearing it (laughs) yeah got to be too cumbersome <laughs> but, no but yeah, but they, but they don't they don't they don't they don't give uh two hoots until until they need us for the most part mm-hmm. um there's i've got I, you know again again we're not doing this for appreciation i'm not doing it for a ticker tape right i'm not doing it for for oh, thank you uh, but yeah. but until until our until our society recognizes that first responders need professional mental health professional substance help and they need uh, the same support that any other human being needs. Mm-hmm. We, we're in a great deal of trouble, yeah, because we're not going to have a generation left to do to, to do this. There's more people. There's more people that that I know that have died from suicide than on the job. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that much. Yeah, um, I, you know, and and uh, I can also tell you that um, it's hard to find experienced people to stay in this job because uh, you know our, our burnout rate is so high. Um, one of the biggest things I learned at Genesis House was how to cope correctly mm-hmm. and not cope with the bottle. And talking to Phil, you know, Phil makes my career sound like a, you know, a, a, a child's <laughs> child playbook, you know. That makes both of us. <laughs> you, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I've been through some shit. And, but Phil just makes, Phil, Phil just makes, I don't know, the, the guy's just he's incredible. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, 
one, one thing, one thing Phil told, told me about is that, you know, he, he, he made sure I, I left there with is I don't have to take ownership for bad outcomes. Um, and, 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 fi- and finding God and finding my own and reconnecting with God and myself, uh, I was able to release those bad outcomes uh, in my mind and not take them personally uh, anymore. Um, and it's, it's made me a much more effective uh, EMT and a husband and a friend um, since that time. And, uh, you know, I, I, re- I recall I recall a couple of conversations with Phil, you know, we talked about losing people that we know at work um, to uh, different things. And the specific instance that we talked about, I don't want to get into, but Mm -hmm. he he said, remember, he said, remember the good times with that, with that partner. Mm. Remember, remember the fun that you had. Um, Remember, remember the good, have, keep the good memories, leave the day it happened, Mm -hmm. you know, in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, Phil, and, Phil's a great, yeah. great therapist. He's he unbelievable. He's helped so many first responders. Mike, some of the folks that you sent down there, um, along with John before him, we, we, us at Genesis House, we were so fortunate to have such a great first responders, two great first responder um, um, therapists down there. And and Phil is just, just kind of just flowed right in with uh, right after John left and, um, and took over. He's just amazing. So um, we're, we're running out of time here, um, John, but thank you so, so much. One question that's been bothering me the whole time, not bothering, but, but burning to, to ask what, you know, the, the, I'm sure everybody wanted to, wants to know this. So at the beginning, when I read you're married to a wife of six years and you have no kids, but two furry babies, <laughs> what are the two furry babies that you have? <laughs> the two, the two furry babies are two cats. <laughs> I got I got a tabby and then I got a mix. Um, they're uh, one of them's a rescue and one of them. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. So the first one we got uh, from uh, fr- from a friend of ours. Uh, her, she was uh, she got out for a couple of days. She came back pregnant, and there was a litter of cats. <laughs> <laughs> and the the second one was a rescue from a farm. When we got her, she was real sick. Um, they're, no. they're both girls. They're both girls. They got both got a lot of personality. No. I'm the only dude living in this house right now between <laughs> my wife and, and two female cats. So it's like, uh, it's like an estrogen filled lynching mob when I do something wrong. You know, but, <laughs> God, but, they're, they're, but they're, 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 they're great kitties. I'm really surprised they haven't walked past the camera and tried to show everybody their butt yet. So. I'm sure. I'm, yeah. The cats are like that, <laughs> but John, Bachi Galupo. Right. Got yep. it right. Uh, thank you so much, John. And uh, I'll be in Minnesota probably after all this stuff clears. I'd love to get together, have some coffee with you, maybe hit a meeting, no doubt. And, uh, sit and talk a little bit. Thank you so much for being a guest with us, John. We really appreciate it. Hey, John, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, you, uh, you had a lot of good information and you definitely were a real asset. And it, it does this all the time. He, he, he sends me a bio a day before we do the show. And <laughs> I read it real quick, but um, I got to tell you, one guest after the other, he just keeps getting these great guests like yourself, John. Thank you for your time and uh, your service. And hopefully someday we'll get to meet. Yeah. Hey, absolutely, Thanks, absolutely, Mike. I love your accents. I love everything about the East Coast <laughs> accents, too. So. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks, Thank John. Be safe. Stay Thanks, safe. John. So Podfather, he's uh, unbelievable. He just, um, oh, you know, just, just, he, he hit some really good points too about PTSD, about um, the stuff that you guys see, the the things that you go through. I mean, he's been there, done I like that. Like you, you, know? you said, you can never, you never go home. And you know, yeah. 
I mean, I knew the analogy. I I, I had a, I, I imagine what he meant, and I thought he meant like you know you have it with you all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I've sat with cross from war vets, um, young war vets um, that have you know killed people um, because that's what they had to do. But when you think of that, just think of that for a moment. Just think it. You're 19, 20 years old, and and all of a sudden you're you're in a war a war zone, mm. and um, then you know three days into it you you're, in, you're involved in a in a, fi- a firefight. You know, mm-hmm. with weapons, and uh, you, you take the lives of several yeah. people. Yeah. Now, you know, there are bad guys or good guys or whatever, but just the human body, the human nature, the human mind, the soul, we're, we're not geared for that. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not predators, you know, mm-hmm. we can be trained to be predators. We yeah. have to be taught, yeah. you know, and uh, it's just unfortunate that they don't teach you how to, how to unwind from that, mm-hmm. how to mm-hmm. deal with that, how to live with that. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't, there was, I mean, the, there's plenty of good, like Phil, like you said, Phil's a great um, a resource, but I, I, I really don't know if there's any um, training or course or, you know, uh, something that can be taught to you to, to be able to deal with that in a rational manner and carry on with your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and you're right, Podfather. There's no training to uh, basically unwind or, or to un- unsee things. You know, there's no unseeing pills to take to unsee, you know, a 19 year old kid goes into battle. He's 19, you know, he's, he's got told about everything that's going on, but he's there shooting the bad guy. And he doesn't even know, you know, this guy might, you know, somebody you shoot might be the best guy in the world, but that's if somebody's right. out trying to take his life, he's going to do something. There's side effects to that. There's things that you're going to see. Same thing with you, Podfather, when you were on the streets and, you know, you, you had, a, you know, God forbid you, thank God you never shot and killed anybody, but there are times I'm sure you, that gun was drawn and you, came close to, you know, taking somebody's life, you know, nobody's ready for that. Nobody's zero. Unless like John said, you have no buttons or whatever, to whatever he said. I mean, basically, unless you're callous and you don't give a shit, basically, you know? Yeah. But I, I think a lot of, you know, and the, the, the worst <laughs> critic I find is the person or people that will say, well, that's the job. <clears throat> don't take the job if you don't want to do it. Well, you know, <clears throat> if everyone had that approach to it or uh, 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 that, um, insight into it, there'd be nobody here. There'd be nobody mm-hmm. protecting us. But I really believe that going forward, hopefully going forward, I mm-hmm. think next generation, not our generation, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just hoping that EMS, police, corrections, vets, everybody involved, firefighters, everybody that's involved in, 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 in that type of blue collar, hardworking, your life can be taken at any mm-hmm. moment, type of work, mm-hmm. are protected in mm-hmm. revenue. And, and given more respect and understanding and maybe mm-hmm. educated more, if that's what they want to do. Absolutely. Defund yeah. Defund never. <clears throat> Real quick. I want to talk about that defunding, what he was talking about and something popped into my mind and Papa, tell me if this is possibility defunding the police. That's the beginning. Okay. That's the beginning. When you defund the police, then the EMS, the firefighters and every other arm of the, of the uh, first responders, it's going to, it, yeah, it's going to, it's going to tack, tax them even more. So they're going to be out there more pushing the, you know, next thing you know, you're going to, we're going to ask John to carry a gun when right. he's, you know, out there, you know, kind of a wild, wild west stuff, you know what? Cause the police aren't around anymore. What I want to know is if there's so many people that are racist out there, people like in law enforcement, well, who, who taught them to be racist? They, they, most of them have education. So they went through at least 12, 14, 18 years of school. <clears throat> what about the people that would, in charge of teaching them are they mm. responsible for this alleged racism yeah no, it's right it's just crazy no they really yeah you, you know there's a lot of fingers to be pointed. 
Yeah, no, it does. No, and, and it does because, you know, Papa, you did it right all those years. You did what you had to do. You retired and, and you, you had a great career, you know. Um, but I don't know. It, we could go on forever on this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and John was an amazing John guest. Was a great and guest. Great guest. Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pa- Podfather, that's about it for now. Um, yeah. Do you want to do the honors to take us out? Absolutely. You know, for all our listeners out there, answering the call, the first responders podcast. And um, stay, stay safe, safe, everybody. <laughs>